In this episode of Physically Spiritual, I will continue my exploration of the insights of the Catholic psychiatrists Anna Tarraway and Conrad Bars and discuss what we can do to heal and grow our hearts. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. This is the second episode in a two-part series, so if you didn't catch the episode last week on the thought of Anna Tarraway and Conrad Bars, I'd recommend going back and listening to that episode first. But if you don't have time or you just want a refresher, I'm going to start off with a few of the concepts from last week. So first is the understanding that our emotions are psychic motors, meaning they're, they're things that are God-given and they're in us and they're designed to bring us to what we need to help us flourish, to be happy and healthy. They're meant to make our life easy and meaningful and enjoyable. And without our emotions, if we just lived on reason and will alone, we wouldn't have that same enjoyment and ease. We wouldn't have that push to really be who we're called to be. Uh, so, so the emotions are important, essential, not to be done away with. One of the key insights from the last episode was the distinction between repression and suppression. Uh, Tearway and Bars really had the key insight of, of recognizing one of Freud's most important insights, that repressing an emotion is actually dangerous and harmful. But they, I think, really forged a better path of healing by having a correct anthropology. And anthropology is the fancy word of saying the study of what it means to be human. So by understanding the nature of the psyche, the nature of the human soul, based on the descriptions from classical thought, especially through St. Thomas Aquinas, they are able to come to a better understanding of how repression happens in the human person. And then what we're going to mainly discuss in this episode is how to to heal that repression in the human person. Conrad Bars used an image that's very helpful. He used the image of the relationship between a young girl and a horse that's given to that girl. So use your imagination as I go through this. So in this image, the horse represents the emotions, the passions of the person, while the rider represents the reason and the will. But for a young child who's given also a, a young horse, initially the horse is actually too weak to carry a rider when it's very young. So for up to maybe three years, the little girl has to care for the horse, feeding it, brushing it, watching it, and developing a relationship with it, a rapport with the animal. But the horse is not yet strong enough to carry a rider. So there's this kind of growing relationship or coexisting, learning to be friends, learning to love one another that happens between the girl and her horse. And each of these steps, I'm going to talk about a pitfall. So if we apply this analogy out, there's a pitfall of acting out our emotions before they've matured. Right? A common piece of advice that some people give in kind of the pop psychology, self-help kind of area is to express your emotions that you have. Well, when the emotions are underdeveloped, it might actually be harmful to you. All right, the second phase. Once the horse is strong enough to have a rider, 
the child needs help, that probably the help of a trainer or an experienced rider to teach her how to ride and to help her teach the horse how to have a rider. So you need someone, you need a mentor, you need someone loving you and guiding you, watching you and helping you through this process. So there's a pitfall that can happen in this stage of development. And this is if a primary caregiver or someone else who's important to a child's life is not equipped to guide their emotional development. Okay, so in the third phase of the development, um, what happens is the horse and rider learn to cooperate with one another. But on the other hand, there's going to be times where the horse doesn't cooperate. The horse doesn't respond properly to the commands. It might even sometimes rear up or, or run too quickly in fear of something. So there's a phase where the horse and rider begin to work together, but the horse isn't fully under the control of the rider. And so the, the rider needs to learn, one, not to overreact or react with too much fear when the horse reacts in a way that they don't wouldn't like. And when the horse is being stubborn or wants to do something else, they need to learn to not react with too much anger and not punish the horse in reaction to what it's doing. So this stage illustrates the pitfall of being impatient with your emotional development, being harsh with yourself, overly critical, self-condemning, or reacting with fear and anger to your emotions. All right, then the final stage of maturity. As adults, the horse and women, they know, they know each other. They trust each other. And now the girl can go through life with greater ease as the horse carries her from place to place. While riding the horse, since they've built this rapport and the horse has learned the directions of her will, now she's free to contemplate nature, interact with others, and pray while she rides because of this developed and rich relationship between them. So this is the beautiful image of the mature soul, that the psyche that's been nurtured and developed and affirmed to the point where uh, the emotions have become these psychic motors and not just drives in any which way direction, but actually drives that carry us to God, that help us to be holy, uh, that bring us into flourishing and happiness and joy. The final contrast I want to give is to a mature horse and rider, but ones that are in conflict. You know, instead of training a horse with gentleness and care and patience, you might also force an animal to submit to you. The, the rider might beat the horse, although the horse uh, can be forced to do what's necessary most of the time. It's always work for its rider to make it submit. The horse still occasionally has outbursts and rebellions, even though there may be harsh punishments or consequences for it. The constant battle between horse and rider wears down both of them, making the horse both have less energy and less capacity for life, and the rider has less ability to ride and to get less done during the day. Uh, so this illustrates the relationship that we can have with our emotions when we see them as our enemies, and we try to forcibly stop them, to repress them uh, in anger or fear, uh, to, to treat ourselves poorly. I love this image that Dr. Bars gives because it really illustrates the law of natural growth, a law of natural growth. The, our emotions uh, need to go through a process of growth. They're not 
absolute values that just exist from the moment of our birth. They, they actually need to be nurtured and called forth, accepted, fed, and given time. Uh, but emotional growth and healing can pace at the same rate as physical growth and healing. So as you're going through your own healing process, the process of learning to experience the passions that are there, to accept them and the accompanying physiological reactions, the process of learning how to not act them out, how to suppress them in a healthy way when it's appropriate. And then that, that final process of educating the emotions so that they're actually in line with what is true, good, and beautiful. Right? This takes time. It could take a full 18 years like it takes a human person to mature physically. And in this process of growth, it can actually be harmful to introduce things too early. So oftentimes we want to sort of jump to the end and we think if we can get to it more quickly, we can sort of get things done. But in this law of gradualism, this law of natural growth, it's important to accept the pace at which things are going to happen. Natural substances develop to maturity based on the form they have that animates them, their essence. If obstacles are removed and the proper nourishment is provided. So let's take a couple examples of this. In the most simple level, like a mineral, a natural dirt or mineral, the mineral doesn't have to try to be a good rock. The dirt doesn't have to try to be good dirt. It just does it. It just acts spontaneously as a rock would or as dirt would. It follows its nature absolutely. The next ring up, let's think of like an animal. Right? Animals, similarly too, they, they do what we would expect them to do. They react according to their nature. If they see food and they're hungry, they eat it. If they're afraid, they're going to go through the process of fight, flight, freeze to try to, to overcome what's causing them fear. But on the other hand, we as humans have this extra gift of reason and will. So we don't always act according to our nature. And even further complicating that is that we now, because of sin, we have a fallen nature that needs to be re-educated and healed and reformed. So the answer isn't just to act out all of our instincts, like basically what Sigmund Freud had been a proponent of. The answer is we need to go through an education process so that our, our emotions and feelings and passions can be well-formed and then reliable. In this process of natural growth and healing, there's two general pitfalls that people fall into. One happens to us and the other is something we do out of a reaction to it. So the first pitfall we can fall in is being unaffirmed. Being unaffirmed, meaning that the primary caregivers in our life, those people who God has put there to help call forth our emotions, that they weren't present. Either they're physically absent or emotionally absent. They weren't capable of giving us their full attention. They, they modeled relationships with their emotions that weren't helpful or healthy. So we started imitating those things. But in whatever reason it is, not having anyone in our life that can give us that full affirmation leads to the underdevelopment of the child's emotions because not yet having the full power of reason, they're not capable of making choices to develop their emotions. The other pitfall that can happen, and this can often be in reaction to being unaffirmed, is an action of repression. 
And having uh, that repression happen over time, you become either incapable of feeling an emotion or the second you begin to feel it, it's quickly then pushed away by another emotion. These two phenomenon cause a sort of emotional lag in the person. So what happens is the body grows to maturity while the emotions stay adolescent. And then as a reaction to this sort of mismatch between emotional maturity and physical maturity is the natural thing to do is that your mind and will then step in to overcompensate. So as adults, we learn to simulate what we see others doing. So there's an internal imbalance and this imbalance is sometimes rewarded and praised by our culture because you learn how to, to enter into a room and smile and have small talk and, and make conversation. Uh, do the sorts of things that adults do. Yet there's still some part of you on the inside that is afraid of those big people. Part of you that doesn't know what to say. Right? That's worried about what, what, how they're going to react. You know, after you've left the room, maybe you think back to the conversations and worry about something you said or something that somebody else said or the expression on someone's face. Right? These are all signs that you entered that, that space with a sort of disconnect between your external self and your internal self. That your reason and will are, are sort of performing um, while your inside is, is disconnected. You're not being really fed in that situation. But what happens in this process of overcompensation is your mind and your will do develop. They develop well. You probably become very intelligent. You learn a lot of information, a lot of data, and then you become very capable. You pick up skills and you become professionally competent. You're successful at work. You're able to earn a good living. People praise you because you can say smart things that people like to hear. But what happens on the inside is you still feel small. I like to use the image of a, of a bodybuilder. A bodybuilder that always skips leg day. <laughs> so what's happened is, um, you know, on top they have big muscles and they're strong and, and, and definition. And people look at that person and admire their physical fitness. But the reality is, is that there's no musculature underneath the waist. So what they do is they learn to wear big pants and then no one can tell. This kind of performance mindset we have are essentially kind of an emotional big pair of pants. That even though there's this inside of us that's underdeveloped, that's young, that's small, that's scared, uh, we learn to hide it from others. Here's a description from Dr. Bars. This is from the book Feeling and Healing Your Emotions. Describing the unaffirmed, he says, as his heart, meaning his humane emotions and intuitive mind, do not receive their proper nourishment, it remained undeveloped. Because of this, he was forced to rely more and more on his mind, his thinking and his assertive emotions, to pretend he was older than he felt, to act like others his age, and to fearly, fearfully protect himself from being hurt by other people. He did this by not displeasing them, or by using his talents, or even other people, to make himself appear more important than he really felt. So maybe as I'm saying these, you can relate to this, or maybe it applies to your life in, in contexts or places that um, 
that I'm not describing exactly. And what I want to talk about now are some things we can actually do to kind of recover from this unaffirmed state. I want to recognize that um, that there are, I think, difficulties that we can experience emotionally that we really do need professional help. So in the show notes, I'm going to link the work of Dr. Sue Bars, Conrad Bars' daughter, who continues um, to develop his thoughts and publish his ideas and then practices mental health with his insights. And she supervises a whole practice of mental health practitioners. Uh, and then um, from there, I, I think you could also find referrals to other practices that practice these insights too. But what I want to share is kind of a, an emotional first aid, right? What can we actually do without the help of a professional? Taking all this into consideration that uh, I'm not here to provide mental health care or anything like this. These are just ideas that I find helpful. And this is an outline of um, action plans that Dr. Bars shares in feeling and healing your emotions. So first, if you're an unaffirmed person, what does it really take to start to, to build and feed and develop and grow that emotional side of yourself? So the first step he proposes is to reduce the activities of your mind and to make space for the development of the heart. So you, you literally need to stop thinking so much. You need to stop being so busy. You need to stop doing as much as you're doing to make space to allow yourself to contemplate things, uh, to just be for a while, to slow down and experience the world. He recommends starting by attempting to open yourself to natural things like minerals, plants, and animals, and not start off trying to open up to humans. He proposes this because these natural things are true, good, and beautiful. They'll move your heart. They'll feed you. They'll provide you with attractions and repulsions that you can experience. But on the other hand, without all of the complexity of human interactions. So take that extra space, that extra time to get out in nature, to experience the beauty of God's world, to interact with, with animals, and then to also, um, you know, maybe pick up a hobby like gardening or experience God's goodness in the arts like music or theater. He recommends avoiding unnecessary distractions and mental stimulation like TV, radio, phone, papers, magazines, podcasts. Really what I like to call infotainment. We use information to entertain ourselves. And with this extra space to attempt to deal with day-to-day -day difficulties quickly. And there's probably a lot of stuff that kind of sits in the back of your mind and bugs you. Like you're not fixing the problems, but it's kind of constantly there. So actually kind of taking stock of all that stuff that's in the back of your mind and tying up the loose ends, dotting the I's and crossing the T's of the sentence that is your life. So in this, make more time then for quiet and silence. Avoid overscheduling, limit appointments, set boundaries with your time. And then with that time, make sure you leave space. Create regular opportunities for emotional nourishment, for good, healthy emotional food, healthy emotional stimulation. Spend time in nature, enjoy hobbies, engage in the arts, symphonies, art museums, plays. Engage in leisurely study of philosophy and the classics. Pray, meditate, read the scripture. Engage with all that's good, true, and beautiful. And when I say engage, I mean be really truly attuned to it, savor it, feel what you feel, accept it, 
Experience what happens in your body. Let the emotions be there. Feed your heart. Try to become aware of emotions. Take time to pause, quiet yourself, and recognize feelings. Be honest about what's there. And then the final step is to gradually ease into bringing your heart into your relationships with other people. So take it slow, though. Allow yourself that time. It's important to realize that affirmation is not a technique. That's something I talked about in the previous episode. Affirmed living is something that develops naturally when obstacles are taken out of the way, like repression and false beliefs that emotions are bad. And then we give them the proper nourishment, you know, that space, that time, that quiet, the true, the good, and the beautiful. So affirmation arises out of the person as they mature. It's a state that communicates a mature heart. It isn't something we can learn to do with a technique and that we can impose on ourselves and our cared and our loved ones. So that's our first toolkit. What do we do if we're unaffirmed? All right, a second toolkit. What do we do if we experience repression? Repression is when we use one of our emotions or passions to suppress another one and then our soul forms a habit by which that that feeling is habitually repressed and we no longer feel it. It's no longer in our consciousness or the moment we feel it, it's pushed away and we lose it. So the first step of handling this emotional repression is a sort of psychoeducation. We need to rid ourselves of the notion that an emotion is immoral, bad, or dangerous to feel. Every emotion in and of itself is good. It's all a gift. And while some emotions might not be helpful if it's malformed or has uh, pointing us in a direction that's not helpful, every pure emotion is good. And with it, then, we need to accept the fact of the physiological reaction that accompanies, accompanies it. You might be embarrassed if you feel like your emotions are being expressed and other people can see it, whether it be the tears, the reddening of your cheeks, the changing of your voice, the changing of your heart rate, the fidgetiness of your body. We need to accept the fact that it's part of being human. We're not robots. So step two of handling repression. Recognize and identify what's happening. Do not deny your true feelings to others. So what's the emotion that's actually there? Don't just accept it, but actually identify it. You can name it if you want to, or just hold on to it and let it be. Then if somebody else asks you how you are feeling or what's happening, maybe actually tell them. Just say what it is. Uh, That act of denying your emotion to another person is a way of rejecting it, a way of wishing it's not there. Three, this is step three is similar to the building that affirmation is to experience and cultivate every emotion. And we do this through engaging with the true good and beautiful, the arts, natural things, things of true beauty and substance. But it's important to actually cultivate every emotion even the ones we don't like. So cultivating and accepting an emotion of anger. You know, maybe part of that is um, watching a, a play where injustice is acted out. And by beholding the beauty of that art, you feel the anger that goes along with what's happening. Similar things can be done with fear. Um, experiencing the good things of the world and taking time to savor them. And this will really draw out then those humane emotions, the concupiscible emotions. 
Step four of handling repression is be patient with yourself. We've already talked about the law of natural growth, but there's also going to be missteps. There's going to be mistakes. Like that image with the horse, there's times even in adulthood where before the horse and rider are completely in unison with one another, it's going to rebel. There's going to be times where your emotions are going to feel unruly. So be patient with yourself. Have that that gentle, loving hand. Accept what's there. You know, in this process, in, in a, as an adult, you might start to experience your emotions in a richer way and be capable of acting differently within just a few months of, of taking these practices to heart. Meaning that, that a feeling that you weren't able to feel before or you would instantly repulse from, that you're actually able to kind of hold it, to be there with it, to sit there with it. And then start to, most of the time, choose what's best for you, whether it corresponds to that emotion or not. But there's also a third step to this growth process, and that's the actual process of the emotion maturing, it coming in line with reason. It, it, it really sort of corresponding to the natural law once again. It's a, the slow process of the unbending of concupiscence, of the effect of original sin in the soul. This emotional maturity process takes time. I would say probably at least as long as a natural maturing process of a person could take. You know, so 15, 18, 20, 25 years. So as you're going through this process, be patient with yourself. And in the end, you know, you're probably still going to die with some emotions that aren't particularly helpful or out of line or unruly. Uh, And that's not ultimately what the meaning of life is. So as I end this episode, uh, I just want to give a few practical notes that I want to reiterate. One is, uh, go to the show notes. I have links to for the resources, readings. Um, if you feel like you need the support of a mental health professional, there's links to Dr. Barr's uh, practice there. Um, and then from there, you could probably find other referrals too. Um, be patient with yourself. Be kind to yourself. In this whole process, call on the Lord. Right? There's also prayer as a part of this, that God's with you, that, that God's affirming you too, that God's present to you. Uh, and, and ask um, to see yourself with God's eyes. God presents himself to us in the scripture as a loving parent. So we know that God beholds us with love. So try to learn from God how to see yourself. With that, if you want to support the work of Physically Spiritual, consider becoming a patron of the show by joining the Totus Tuus community for any dollar amount a month you can join at physicallyspiritual.com. If you want a great way to listen or watch any of the shows here in Awaken Catholic, get access to your uh, member benefits if you're a part of a patron community, or to get uh, access to a great alternate Catholic social media community, head over to the awakenapp.io or search for and download the Awaken app off the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Thank you so much for being a part of Physically Spiritual. Every moment of the show you've watched, know that I'm grateful that you've given your time to this. I'm so passionate about the message that I'm trying to share, and I'm excited about the future of the show. So thank you for every like, every view, every watch, every follow, every comment, every rating you give in the show. And a special thank you to all you that are already members of the Awakened Nation. So thanks again for supporting the show.